with an eventful first weekend to look back on. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Welcome to Hand of Pod episode 212. I'm Sam Kelly, and this week we're recording in the fine barrio of Montserrat with Peter. Thank you, it's been a long time. And Andres. Hello, how are you? And returning to Buenos Aires after a couple of years away, two yeah. years ish, uh, Rob Brown. Welcome back, Rob. Hi, thanks for having me. How are you? I'm fine. It's, been a, it's been a very long time, as you said. Yeah, it has. you back. Mm. Uh, Rob has been very excited to be on his way back to Buenos Aires. Those of you who already follow him on Twitter will be aware that he never really wanted to leave. Um, and he will now be a regular invitee, at least, to Hand of Pot, as long as he doesn't make a mess of himself uh, this week. <laughs> um, we will begin in the time-honoured tradition of reading out last weekend's uh, scores in the Primera. They are as follows. Uh, Huracan, nil, Atletico de Rafaela, one. Banfield 2, Gimnasia y Crimen Plata 0, Rosario Central 1, Godoy Cruz 0, uh, Aldo Civi 3, Olimpo 0, Argentinos Juniors 1, Tigre 1, Patronato de Paraná 2, San Lorenzo 2, San Martín de San Juan 2, Newell's Old Boys 1, Tempele 0, Boca Juniors 0, Independiente 1, Belgrano de Córdoba 0, Defensa Justicia 2, Unión de Santa Fe 2, Colón de Santa Fe 2, Arsenal de Sarandí 1, Atletico Tucumán 2, uh, Racing 1, Estudiantes 0, Lanús 1, River Plate 5, Quilmes 1, and Sarmiento de Junín 1, Vélez Sarsfield 0. We're not going to begin, however, by talking about football, because the first thing that I would like to mention uh, is the changes to the broadcasting, which we didn't really touch on last week. Um, this was partly because we didn't have much time, because we touched on so much else, and also partly because the most relevant bit of that to the majority of our listeners uh, was the international um, streaming service, and we still weren't aware of how it was going to work. Um, so this time we will go through, since particularly because I started getting an awful lot of questions on Twitter around uh, last Friday lunchtime, asking whether people would be able to watch the matches on YouTube, um, come Friday evening, uh, and we still didn't know. Um, I asked the Horacio Gennari, who's one of the directors of Football Para Todos, on Twitter on uh, Monday or Tuesday last week whether the YouTube streams would be continuing, and he said they'd be geo-blocked and that Football Para Todos weren't happy with this, um, but that now that they were essentially making the same channels who were already showing the games last year pay for the rights this year, um, they had to put up with it. And in the event almost none of them were geo-blocked, so that was the impression I got from my followers. Anyway, I think the America matches were, weren't they? Which was the Independiente game and the yeah. River game, is that right? No, River on. Which channel were River on? Trece. Yeah. So the Independiente game and one of the other matches Rassi. were geo-blocked. Might have been Racing. Yes, that would make sense, because I wasn't in for the Racing game, so I didn't catch it. Um, but uh, apart from those, they seem to be not geo-blocked. 
The only difference is they're not quite as easy to find because you've now got to go to multiple websites rather than just being able to find them on but the Football Paradox dollars site. I, I know it's not comfortable to watch a game or a, an entire game uh, through the cell phone or, or the tablet, but uh, did someone try to, for example, down, uh, to download an app uh, where you can watch the live games and with the link to the video, to the YouTube? I saw a lot of people complaining during one of the matches. I think the independent, the end, they one that the Trece app wasn't working at all for them. Um, I managed to watch at least one of the two of the games online because there was a, one on the TV and one on the computer. But I don't use apps because my tablet battery is terrible now, so I never bother with it. Um, anyone else? No idea. Rob, you've been watching entirely online, right? Because you don't have a TV. Yeah, but that's using YouTube streams or. Um the wrestling game was on Telefair? No, it was on America, right? Uh, yeah. It was Telefair or America. Whichever one I watched on their website, it was fine. Uh-huh. No other experience. So essentially, lots of people complaining over not very much at all seems to be yeah. the, the take-home message, except for the fact, of course, that now we don't have well, political uh, propaganda. Apart from that, broadcast went down because of the rain, the heavy rain that they made, for instance, to, to, for, for the transmission to, to go down. Uh, and then it went back. Uh, it was like like strange because so, uh, there was the TV Pública, which continues with some matches. Uh, that I think it was broadcasting Independiente game, uh, the one you have mentioned. And there was a, 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 the, the another channel uh, program, and like Encuentro, which is another channel that depends also to the TV Pública. Mm. And so, what happens here? It's here block and also block for Argentina because I, I was I had no idea that the heavy rain made the transmission to go down and it was. Uh, the strange okay. about that is that they lost. They must have lost about twenty minutes of the Independiente match. Yes. But rather than in usually those cases, there's something on the screen to say we'll be back shortly. They didn't bother with that. They yes. just went straight to La Plata and did a thing about the Stones gig. <laughs> so there was absolutely no indication that any point that the match was coming back on until it suddenly just clicked, all right, now we're back in with the now we're gone. So in terms of how joined up the production is, it's, there's a little bit still to be desired. Um, obviously, Football Paradox are still doing the production. Um, they're just making America and Trece and the other one, uh, Telefe, pay for the matches that they were showing last year for free. 10% uh, of the total budget. Yes, and as well as bringing uh, uh, advertising stuff now that there's not, not just government propaganda. Um, so continue to watch this space, but uh, by and large you can still watch the matches. So if you didn't try last weekend, then try again this weekend and hopefully you'll have some luck. Um, and now on to the actual matches. Any results which really stood out for you gentlemen? Well, results is a good question. I mean, um, result, scoreline wise, there's one obviously very obvious one, but let's not just dive straight into River. Let's yeah. try and talk about something I was going to say the Boca and San Lorenzo draws surprised me because they were against comparatively weak opposition. Um, but I think recurring themes might be over the course of the season. Boca's rather stodgy build-up play, which was quite familiar last season, and San Lorenzo's now catastrophic defence. Now that Bowser has gone, and they're not such a outrageously defensive team, and they've also lost a few players as well. This also might very well be out of date by the time this episode goes online, because of course um, they're playing each other tonight, so that's Wednesday night, in the Supercopa Argentina. Uh, which, in case you don't speak Spanish, means the Argentine Super Cup. Um, and there are rumours that if Boca lose, then uh, Rodolfo Arroba Reina will, will be on his way. 
Those rumours possibly not helped by the fact that today um, Palermo have parted company with um, Guillermo Barrasek-Gelotto because he doesn't have a UEFA licence and UEFA refused to give him one because he's not experienced enough, which is a bit silly. But yeah. Yeah. So um, he needed five years experience. He, he's, he? Yeah, he needs another year and a half experience. It's also a bit silly that they did all this after one yeah. month or so he's been training aside and now there's a... He's actually taken charge of yeah. form. Well, he's been he officially the manager for four years. You would think there'd be some, some kind of due diligence involved where they would realise yeah. this would happen before they signed yeah. him. He was finally an assistant of the real coach. Right. And now he's nothing at all. Yeah. Um, which, if nothing else, is a very Palermo way of doing things. I um, saw the, uh, the official yeah. announcement that said that he had bid farewell to the team. I was like, he's barely said hello. <laughs> Why is he bid farewell? Surely they won't even notice that he's he gone. He doesn't even know their names <laughs> yet. So, yeah, what's the but point? But it was from you that I read that uh, Palermo board was uh, enjoyed with his, with his job, even though he couldn't uh, go to the team as the real coach, and they want to continue their... Mm. They are, yes, their relationship uh, afterwards. Oh, yeah, well, Ole said that apparently they're, they're leaving the door open for him in the future. Um, but more to the point, to drag this back to the domestic league, it doesn't lift the pressure on Aurora Barrena's job uh, because, of course, it means that one of the favourites, the long-term favourites to succeed him, is all of a sudden very much available again and he's coming back to Argentina and presumably has the quite specific aim of getting more experience as a manager so that he can return to Europe. Um, but there's also, Tay say at least earlier, we're talking about possibly Gede leaving San Lorenzo if they lose. What? After <laughs> what would have been two oh, yeah. matches in charge? This just happened with Bowser, though, didn't it? I remember when Bowser replaced Pizzi and after two or three games in which he pissed mm. off a few players and drawn a couple of games, it was... Rumour says, rumor says that the players are not, uh, good, are not comfortable with the idea of Pablo Gede, which is mm -hmm. mostly attacking and, yeah. you know, well, you saw it that... Uh, not not very balanced uh, yeah. uh, draw and, and well some players perhaps are not very comfortable. Juan Mercier, there yeah. there are rumors that he he will have a meeting with with uh, Lamens, Bates Lamens, mm -hmm. to see what they do because he was a symbol. He was uh, adored by the by the supporters. He was like saying, I will, I want to retire here at San Lorenzo now. Pablo Gede has. No, even he's not even travelled. He hasn't travelled to play, in, but at the same time, oh, well. Messi is thirty-six. Surely the time has come now to just let him go. I know your career can be extended quite lengthily in Argentina, but his position is in the heart of the midfield. And if he's thirty-six, I mean, I last saw him two years ago in person. If he, was, the, he was slow as anything then. Like, if you're the manager of San Lorenzo and you lose Nestor Ortigosa yeah. you've got a problem but yeah. I would agree that if you've lost Juan Mercia then at least in footballing terms it's possibly less of a problem although of course yeah. we don't know the dynamic inside the dressing yeah, room Yeah, as I gather he's a, he's a leader in the dressing room and a, yeah. a, a popular figure in the club So, but clearly the defence is a problem we were talking last week about how uh, San Lorenzo had the players to play against those more attacking um, style in spite of the fact that they've, they, they've been largely less attacking let's say in the Bowser. Um, but the defence has opened right up and I mean okay conceding plenty of goals in pre-season to, to sides who going forward have some sort of you know talent such as was it Independiente they played and River of course and Dorican, um is fair enough but then letting in two goals and one after just 11 minutes due to a pretty poorly marked corner um, to Patronato who are one of the newly promoted sides is 
slightly less impressive. I thought the second one was really funny. Just uh, more than anything else, it was really funny to watch it develop. Um, especially from a side that's been so well drilled and famously defensive for so long. To watch, the, well, at least the, the guys wearing that shirt, if not the same players, so hilariously sprawled across the pitch with like acres of space between all of them and Patronato's the, uh, attackers having so many options to score. It was just, I don't know, I just thought it was extremely amusing. Positives for San Lorenzo? Ceruti looks good on the right wing. Mm. That shouldn't be any surprise, really. Yeah. Really saw him for Estudiantes, but still. Um, and new, going new forward, they look okay. Belter. I think the new kit's an absolute belter. I don't know if it's... The new kit? Yeah, I think it's beautiful. It's, the last time I was here, San Lorenzo, uh, I can't remember who was making the kits, but now they're being made by Nike, right? Oh, kit, sorry. Yeah. I, th- I was looking at the screen. I thought you said kid. I was oh, no. <laughs> Which of these? Is that <laughs> yes. No, no, the, the shirt is lovely. That's, that's a positive. It is. I've heard that All Boys uh, have got a very nice shirt this season as well, but I still haven't managed to catch a second division game. Has anybody seen the no. All Boys shirt? And apparently Crucero del Norte is, is, is a beauty as well. Um, so there we are. Also, Leandro Romagnoli can, can take a free kick still. Oh, yeah, I mean to say, I think that's probably my favourite goal of the round. Oh, really? Yeah. In terms of being a good goal. Okay. That uh, and Bidi Martinez. Were, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think potentially because... Romagnoli is so loved at San Lorenzo and he's getting on now, so every goal you're kind of thinking this might be the last one. But both that was an absolute beauty. If he goes yeah. out with that one, there's no problem. Both had a particularity, and the same particularity. Both were just when the first half was about to mm-hmm. end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, on to Boca since they're playing against San Lorenzo, as we say, tonight in the Supercoppa, and uh, I will be back after the theme music at the very end of the podcast to let you know what the result is, at least, as I will with, with Racing's Copa Libertadores qualifier. Um, they drew nil-nil away to Tempele, and it was just like watching the Boca Juniors side that won the championship last year, wasn't it? Yes. It Only was. that's not really a good thing, in spite of the fact that they won the championship last yeah, year. Yeah, unfortunately, with the exception of Tempele's, is. Right out of four. Very strange match. Um, and it, it, the second half last season, they were very stodgy. That at the crucial moments, Tevez kind of dragged them over the line. But and in this one, they were still they were kind of desperately looking for Tevez. Yeah. yeah. And he wasn't able. If to he had it. one chance, where you think, simply on paper, a player like Carlos Tevez would score. Yeah. But there was one particularly good one where was, I can't believe he missed that. Yeah. Which um, he was like that in pre-season. Which again, not when we go back to San Lorenzo, looking at their conceded goals, he didn't want to read too much into yeah, pre-season. Yeah. Yeah. He did miss some. Glaring opportunities in there in Madagascar. Which is surprising, shocking for me is that he always had the uh, physical power that made, made him win when the when the one on one with the one who is marking him, uh, and he he lost lost that power or at least looks like he has lost it. Uh, and when he was playing with no vacations, he was even with uh, some problems, that he was tired, he had that power, and now that he had 70, year, uh, 70 days of, uh, off on vacation, now he's like, uh, lack of that strength. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. And this, this has been a recurring theme throughout his career, I think, but certainly in Manchester he would come back from the summer break, overweight, lacking explosive power, it'll take a long time for him to find mm-hmm. form again, maybe that's going to be the case again here. Yeah, I think it's a great time to play. In the first few weeks, and, and they've been quite fortunate when you look at their fixture list. They don't play um, other than the Super Copa, if you count that as a really meaningful fixture. But certainly in their fixture list, they don't play um, one of the title challenges until resting, I think, in week five. So mm. they've got a nice 
gentle uh, opening to this season. Let's just check. Of course, it's sort of gentle, but at the same time, after this coming weekend, there's then a midweek round of matches next week, followed immediately the, the next weekend by um, by more league games. But yeah, Boca's opening fixtures are away to Tempele, which of course they drew nil-nil, which is what we're talking about now. And then they're home to Atletico Tucumán this weekend, away to San Martín de San Juan in the middle of next week, at home to Newell's Old Boys um, the weekend after that, which one once upon a time would have been classed as a difficult fixture, but these days it's not so much. Um, and then, yeah, away to Racing, followed by away to River in rounds five and six. So that's going to be a little bit of a leap in quality, it must be said. Um, possibly not too much, given Racing's performance, but let's stick with Boca for a minute, because we did call last week um, that they were going to have more width, at least going forward from fullback, and that proved to be the case. Gino Peruzzi and new boy Jonathan Silva were both, both getting forward well. Um, but that was about it, really. That's about the only improvement that you could spot. And Tevez, as we say, seemed to... I thought on the one hand that when he was involved in the build-up play, it was as if his teammates were quite thinking as quickly as him. It was sort of like... I don't know if anybody can remember watching Ronaldinho in his first few weeks at Barcelona, where he was thinking, when they manage to work out what the bloody hell he's trying to do, it's going to be amazing. But it still <laughs> didn't quite seem like it was clicking together, and then one week it suddenly clicked, and you know, history uh, is, is what came next, obviously. But um, it was a little bit sort of like he was making passes, and the, the guy he was passing it to just stopped his run, and, and he was thinking, well, OK, that's, that's more on the other guy than on Tevez at first. Except that his finishing, as we said, was absolutely shocking. Um, which is a problem when he's comfortably a best striker. And it's more of a problem <laughs> magnified by the fact that at more or less the same time, São Paulo were playing a match in Brazil and Jonathan Caleri scored two goals. Um, who, of course, had gone to Deportivo Maldonado and then moved immediately on to, the, to São Paulo. I don't know if Caleri, with this time, Boca is going oh, to... Oh, I'm not convinced that Caleri would have made a difference in that match mm-hmm. either. It just made it far easier for people to criticise how Boca were yes. playing because then they could go, of look, Clary scoring goals. Of course, yes, that would be the reaction. Yeah. Um, so, unpromising results for San Lorenzo and for Boca. Um, a distinctly poor one for Racing, who lost 2-1 away to the other newly promoted side, Atletico Tucumán. Um, I didn't catch any of this match. I'm hoping that at least one of you did. Yeah, I saw the whole thing. Did they deserve yeah. to lose 2-1? Oh, or? yeah. Oh, 2-1 two, two, two flattered Racing a lot. Okay. Um, going back to a point that was made earlier, um, having found the goals that San Lorenzo conceded quite funny, I defy anybody to watch the goals that Racing conceded and not laugh. Uh, the first one was bad enough with a few ricochets, and uh, I don't know which Tucumán player had the first shot, but he shanked it badly. It's going at the corner flag, mm-hmm. and it was returned by another, and then headed in. Uh, the, sec- the second one, yeah. The second goal uh, was due to a long, a long crossfield pass, which uh, a defender completely failed to cut out, and then Saha, the goalkeeper, dived straight over the ball. Ah, um, uh, yes, I did see that. <coughs> so one, the, yeah, that was... yeah, they were both abysmal goals to concede, and kind of amusingly hapless. Um, and also combined with the summer friendlies that we saw from Racing, they seem to suggest that Sebastian Saha has forgotten. How to be a goalkeeper. Yeah, I was going to mention this. He was atrocious, and it's getting the, the, the list of blunders is getting longer and longer. And right. the, the, the first goal, sorry, the, the header of San Pedro, he had time even to complain against his teammate, I think, that mm-hmm. didn't pass the ball to him, mm-hmm. and then the, the ball went to the other, the other uh, corner of the box. The, the, there was another player go, uh, throwing the ball again to the box, and, and, and that was. 
this time, yes, sometimes he yeah. added it to the. But all the while, Rasik's defenders were running around as if they had Benny Hill music in their heads, uh, chasing shadows. Rasik had a bit of a, a fight back in the second half. Um, I can't remember who scored their goal. They introduced Lisandro Lopez. Oh, that's right, of course. Ras- Romero's cross was excellent, wasn't it? Romero scored um, the cross. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I don't know what the defender was quite doing, <laughs> just not they were kicking him, but yeah, Romero did well. Lisandro Lopez came on for his return and perhaps, if we're being very critical, should have equalised with a header, but it was kind of behind him and he did well to get it on target. But also, he came on three minutes before the goal, so in a way, he changed the match. Yeah. That, that, that's, you know, the, the kind way of looking at it. Yes. And I, I saw him interviewed on the pitch afterwards and, uh, yeah, it was, a bit of a, it was a bit scary. I haven't seen him for a long time, so it was a bit of a shock to realise that he's somehow aged ten years in the last three. I've had a similar feeling with D'Alessandro over the last week. Yes, when he, he looks so old. Was, I haven't <laughs> seen a photo of him. And it's the hair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was used yeah. to seeing him as a skinhead his yeah. whole career, and he's grown this hideous... Well, oh, yeah, it's, it's like Tufty, isn't it? Yeah. Thing. I don't know why he's done it. <laughs> Very patchy baldness. Yeah, not a good look. Mentioned she'd probably go as well to Rodrigo de Pal, uh, his debut. And oh, God. The dive was amazing. If anybody hasn't seen it, they have to seek it out somehow. Find it on the uh, the Football Palatodos. I think it's on the YouTube. They the haven't whole match. Yeah, yeah. They obviously won't have put the video of the dive up. They may have done it. They used to. If it's up, you have to watch it. It was brilliant. There was no one within, I don't know, at least three or four feet of him, which may not sound very much, but when you're trying to dive for a penalty, that's quite a long way to have an obvious gap between you and the next defender. Mm. And he threw himself down as if he'd been shot and then had the temerity to pr- protest and tell the referee that he'd been clipped. Magnificent. So we have had the big five, uh, the the bad and the ugly so far. So now let's move on to the good. Independiente, first of all. Peter, you've got to be pleased with that one. Um, we were expecting a decent game. We were also expecting a very close game and we certainly got the second. I have to admit that I missed nearly all of the game and I've only seen bits of it since um, what did you make of it? Yeah I mean we didn't get a good game but I think allowances should probably be made for the torrential rain which struck not that long after the game started mm. and rendered the second half virtually unplayable the same rain indeed that rendered Rivers match entirely unplayable on Sunday so yeah. yeah so the second half really was there was minimal passing along the ground being able to be made and it ended up being a very messy affair, which, in truth, Belgrano probably had the better chances um, before Vigorna came back to score against his old club mm. with a couple of minutes to go. Please say something about uh, Diego Rodriguez. Uh, or uh, Russo Rodriguez has been insulted and whistled a lot of times, and this time I think he said... Yeah, yeah, he did make some, he made some good saves, especially one from a free kick. I mean, I think... The biguest critics of Rodriguez is, are going to say that he is a good agile shot stopper. Um, what the criticism of is, he's not very commanding and there's always a mistake in him. And I think when you look back at Independiente's uh, recent seasons, um, you go to the transition when Independiente at the time was still in, the con- in contention, we went to La Bombonera yeah. and he miscontrolled the back pass and allowed Jonathan Clay to, to tap yes. in a goal and then last season in the Sudamericana when his blunder and penalty miss in the same game against uh, Independiente Fe. uh, cost, cost Independiente a tie there so I think those key moments kind of 
stick with the with, the, with those fans that are very vocal. Now it can be the, the the save can it can save a lot of of, of hard uh, shots and that and the, the the decision of the of supporters will change. Yeah, no, well, I think this season we'll see the same from Russo anyway. We'll see lots of acrobatic saves, but at some point over the course of the season we'll see him failing to come for a cross or sort of doing some sort of stupid punch or just a, a mistake um, and that will be leapt on immediately. You obviously weren't able to make last week's recording, Peter, but um, we, the non-independiente fans who were recording, um, we all agreed that uh, given that you're not in the Copa Libertadores this year, the only one of the big five who aren't, and and, and that's going to allow you more to concentrate on the league, that you should be one of the favourites for the title. Would you be happy with that assessment? Or? I wouldn't really be happy with it because it seems to then... Add pressure, obviously. <laughs> Add pressure, but yeah, I think you have to say so. Um, given how they think the second half of last season under Pellegrino, mm. perhaps the form, the form team, I, I don't know whether... Had it still been two championships, then <laughs> it might, might end up winning the, the, the second half. Um, so they taking that form in, still with the same manager. Um, two losses in Manquesha and Pisano, but two losses which I think the club had prepared for well in advance. Um, yeah, certainly Manquesha. Yeah. yeah. And Pisano hadn't really ever fit into the side and shown any sort of consistency. So I think them getting money for him was. You know, and who they brought in then with Rigoni and Leandro Fernandez. And also Saul Neshe, this kid, he's 12 years old or something, he looks, from the little that I managed to see of the first half uh, on YouTube after the match had been played, he, he looked fairly decent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was one challenge which made the eyes water a bit, but apart from that, knits the midfield together nicely. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's gonna, we're going to see a lot of him, given that this game, the reason why I think this is a very good result, aside from the weather, is the fact that Independiente had uh, Jesus Mendes, uh, yeah, Jesus Mendes, Marciano mm. Ortiz, Martin Benitez, uh, Pejerano, like five or six people who would have been in the starting lineup, yeah, missing, um, and still managed to. And against Belgrano, who himself a pretty decent team, um, that's what makes that a good result for me. Uh, even though, yeah, the performance wasn't great, but. Um, and Rob's mentioned Lisandro Lopez coming back for uh, for Racing, and obviously Independiente also had a goal scoring hero returning off the bench for, for his second debut um, for the club. How did Herman Denis get on? Hang on, is it only his second debut? Might be his third or fourth. Yeah, I think it's. I can't remember. No, no, I think it's. Is there just a second? Yeah, I think it's okay, just a second. His re debut, let's say. Yeah, I'll give up now. I think it's his. I think it's just a second, pretty sure. He's okay. very old. I'm not knowing that. Yeah. Do I think he's been back before? Peter, how did, how did he get on, though? No, I mean, he came on with, I don't know, 30 minutes to go when the pitch was already saturated, so as a result, all of his work really was just nice hold up play. But it's what Independiente needed in the circumstances because Juan Martin Lucero doesn't provide that more poacher so he's not going to be able to give that physical presence so is what the team needed at the time um, and actually played a significant goal a significant role in the winner mm. because it was a long ball up yeah he won the header didn't he? which he won the header on to Drupi Gomez who then put the ball into the middle so had he not come on had that still been Lucero up front we arguably wouldn't have been in that position so he played an, an important role I think in 
Pellegrino's already said that he's going to start on Friday night. Ah, right. Well, the sale has been sold already since then. Oh, has he? He's off to the relation. Oh, was. Yeah. Wow. But I think I heard, and I, I it was wrong, the, the, the figure that said in that uh, report that it was 21 million. No, it was 2.1 million for the 50% of the... 21 million pesos, was it? Yes. Zero. Yes. Lucero to Shohor of Malaysia. Yeah, I think I read it was in dollars, one... One point half. Yeah, million one, yeah, so 21 million ish. Yeah. Yeah. Right, I did see. For 50%. I didn't notice it was Lucero they were talking about, yeah. but I saw somebody retweeted with a comment in front that made it very obvious that this person took the sign to mean that he'd been sold for 21 million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, is, there is China. Which is too is, funny for words, China is trying to break the, the market with some hilarious. Uh, yeah, we have a question about that later, in fact. But, uh, no, I, but I, I can't see them going for uh, for $21 million for Juan Martínez. To be honest, for one and a half million for 15%, I thought it was pretty good business for Independiente, considering he's not, when everyone's fit, he's going to be fifth-choice striker. Mm. Yeah. So. Um, and now we move on to the um, of the big five, at least, the undoubted uh, most impressive result of the weekend. As we mentioned, the River Plate game was due to kick off on Sunday and got called off due to very heavy rain just a couple of hours before the game. Um, some controversy, because there were already fans in the stadium for that one, and the rain wasn't nowhere near as heavy as the Super Classico about a year and a half ago that didn't get called off uh, when it had been raining torrentially for... 76 hours before the match well for 12 hours before the match uh, which I was at and writing about for ESPN um, so it's a bit annoying that thinking that I could have you know gone home a year and a half ago and, and stayed relatively dry and had a hot shower and then gone back the next day and watched a match in the, in the dry if they'd been a bit more sensible about it but some sense has now taken um, taken charge in Argentina clearly particularly around matches in the Monumental because of course Argentina v Brazil was also called off recently um, delayed by 24 hours um, the same thing happened to River um, when they did start they had, say, they started a little bit slowly uh, most of the first half was fairly sort of stodgy stuff they got a penalty which Rodrigo Mora scored after 18 minutes Kilmes equalised um, half an hour in um, and then as we mentioned a little earlier Gonzalo Martinez scored a contender for goal of the weekend 30-ish yards out absolutely blasted it in um, right on the stroke of half time and then in the second half River stepped it up a gear and were I thought anyway they were very good um, not perfect but for a first weekend showing took advantage of the, of the send, Branya sending off mm. which did, couldn't do when in the summer or the summer tournaments Xbox it was the same situation and and they couldn't get into the box and, and try to score more goals. Yeah, River had already scored a third by that point, and it was another, actually, I thought, if anything, possibly slightly better in terms of what a team move it was for Gonzalo Martinez, because it, it put him in, I mean, the finish was nowhere near spectacular, of course. Uh, and then Brandon was the one where three of them tapped it to each other. Yeah, it was a free on, kick on, on the goal. goal was it very... Yeah, there were, there were no, three. no, that, that was no. the later, that was, that was the offside one, that was Alario's goal. The ah, OK. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a free kick which got taken quickly and sort of spread over to the, the side of the pitch and they worked it out very well. Um, it was a nice, quick little move. And um, by and large, Andres, you're a resident River fan. Yes, so that, that fight goal was, apart from being in upside, was funny because uh, Alonso almost cleared that ball 
He was. What about <laughs> so of course, making his debut, the 36-year-old Uruguayan who we mentioned last week, and yes. but he he'd been on the pitch for about three minutes by that point, and he got an assist. So, yes, just, that's brilliant from an influential point of view, at least. Yeah. No. Yes, perhaps he 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 realized he was offside and said, "Well, now I I won't uh, score this goal," and then Radio came and yes. I think on. the the only explanation for that goal being allowed. Well, there are two explanations, but the generous explanation to the linesman um, is that the linesman didn't think that... He was the same... That, um, I, I honestly don't know how he got that wrong. Because no, I mean, it was shot because the only explanation was, was that he thought Alonso hadn't touched it. and it wouldn't, wouldn't make any play, sense at all, exactly. quite clearly he had. Yeah, there was um, no way it would have just yeah. got to allow it without it, someone... No, precisely, yeah. Was it the same linesman than the first half when that said that... Benitez, I think, was the goalkeeper of yeah, yeah. Kimis, yeah. Uh, had his uh, body, body ahead of the line. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah it was, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, that is something I want to, to say because... Uh, no, sorry, no, it wasn't. It would have been the opposite linesman, wouldn't it? Because Benitez was at the other end of the pitch at that no, time. the first half. The linesman stayed at the same half of the pitch. Oh. The goalkeeper changes. So and the, the, first and the linemen are the same yeah. in, yes. So it would have been a different linesman. Well, well, Both uh, of the linesmen, I think it's fair to say, had shockers anyway. Anyway, uh, uh, there's something uh, good to say because there, there are rules that are clear and because uh, there are 99% of the referees or 95 or whatever doesn't give or doesn't award to a team, it means, well, nothing does this or nothing decides to give a award a penalty game because the goalkeeper goes ahead of the line. Mm. And, and this is something, well, Quite Argentinian because, uh, uh, of course, there are a lot of of, of uh, uh, players situations in which uh, defender gra- grabs the, the striker from the from, from the back, and the penalty is not awarded. And when they, it is awarded, the, the defender protests because, oh, come on, ne- never give this this penalty. And and if there is a rule, of course, if, if River suffers this, I will say the same. It's not that I say this because it was in favor of River because if not, I will be. Like uh, I like to be benefit, but not to be uh, in the other side. Mm. Uh, and it's it's hilarious to, for the players to be uh, annoyed and to protest something that is clear because uh, the Benitez was I don't, one meter or, yeah, or more. Yeah, sort of three yeah. hops yeah. forward. <laughs> Going back to funny referee decisions over the weekend, I can't remember whether this was given as a foul throw in the passing game. But I think a Tucumán player took a throw in, having run at least two yards on the pitch before he threw the ball. <laughs> And I think it was allowed to go. Well, wow. yeah, that just did it all, really. It was like, I think the, the linesman was stood right next to him, so it's not like he's not noticed that the guy's run two yards past him before he's thrown the ball. But that happened. Going back to River v. Kielmes, it also contained possibly the biggest controversy of the weekend, which is that Kielmes are no, no longer sponsored by Kielmes. <laughs> which is a shocking. I didn't even know that. No, I didn't know that either. That's and not only that, but one of their substitutions was called Imperiale, which is if you take the oh, E off the end of his surname, that's a rival brand of beer. <laughs> so, Kilmes are now sponsored by La Nueva Seguros, and if La Nueva Seguros want to send us some money for mentioning their name, then then you know they should feel free to do so. Um, but uh, it, it, it's Argentine football just isn't the same anymore. It, it, it's disgraceful. And Lanuva is mostly Lanuva the sponsor, new sponsor, uh, on Kilmes shirt, t-shirt, is uh, mostly known for sponsoring the uh, second and third division teams. Yeah. So uh, whether that bids bodes well for for Kilmes or not, we don't know. But we'll, we'll, we'll see. 
touch on the river, in my opinion. Without without being a river fan, I I thought it was quite an an odd performance because I thought the first forty five minutes, in fact, just before Martinez put River back in front with a with a fantastic strike, I was thinking this looks very post Liverpool's River, very they look very laboured and exactly yeah. Well, a combination of kind of laboured on the one hand and, and. like they were rushing things a bit too much on the other it was just all slightly and Kilmes had caused some problems and yeah maybe, maybe it's not a particularly good Kilmes side so. mm. but well, at, 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 until that moment Kilmes did a, a, a great job because not only uh, because the typical uh, away team that goes to monumental uh, job is to try to block their game, mm. their, their possibilities, because of course, potentially Piti Martinez and Bartolo from, their, from the sides are really good, like they did, finally did, but potentially. Uh, previously they didn't uh, demonstrate a very good performance. Bartolo was very good on the right wing, has to be said. And uh, after that, uh, Piti Martinez, magnificent shot, they, they have done a really good shot, because not only blocked the, the river possibilities, but also attack him and, and cause serious problem, problems even when they, they, there was the 1-1, uh, the score was 1-1 I don't remember the, 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 the player but there was a cross that uh, Barbero saved uh, almost in the line ah, yeah. mm-hmm. and that could have been 2-1 uh, in favour of Kim so uh, Pity Martinez, we can say that he broke the, the, the game and, and after that uh, Kim was... No, absolutely, I thought that was... Uh, it was a turning point in his performance as well, personally, because he saw, not just, you know, I know his celebration caused some controversy. Oh, we should mention that, yeah. Martinez was being booed, or, or jeered at least by Rivers fans, um, during the first half, quite audibly, even on the television. Uh, he, of course, arrived to great fanfare about a year ago, and hasn't really done very much since. And uh, when he scored that first goal, which was an absolute looter, as the, I believe the scientific term is, um, he ran off towards the touchline, shushing the fans, which uh, in so a couple of some of his teammates were trying to get him to stop, weren't they? I think a few of the yeah. teammates came running over and were like, mate, don't. <laughs> which he then quite probably did stop doing. Yeah, right? he seems to apologise as well yeah. for doing it. But uh, in, in a country that gets so hysterical about uh, goal celebrations, or indeed anything else, as Argentina and does. And after uh, that, perhaps after that, decision. they say, uh, interviewed Hernán Díaz, the former... Yeah, yeah, I saw that, yeah. Yes, who also did the same or something similar. He was also being good or, or whistled. And it must be said that because I, I haven't heard of this incident, of course, at the time. I just happened to catch the interview when they had him on and they showed the goal. And uh, Martinez's goal was slightly better. Because <laughs> yeah. Diaz is a header from like half a yard out or something. And, um, but yeah, so what happened with Diaz? Uh, he had the same situation or similar to, to Piti Martinez, being whistled, booed, insulted. And he scored the goal and went to almost to the tribune and say, and not uh, showing, showing mm. the, the supporters, but uh, doing some yeah, so some gesture. Yes, yeah. and after that, he it was a long time since he could recover good a good relationship with with the, with the supporters. Mm. And finally, he uh, ended as an almost an idol. He was very good, but at that moment, he it was hard. And, and Poncio even said he had similar uh, situation when he scored against Gimnasia a pair of years ago and, yeah. and, and, and supporters didn't like him very much and he uh, de- like defied the, the 
supporters like watching at the at them and, and saying, what will you say, what will you say now? And mm. Yeah, there are a lot of of, of uh, situations that are similar. And yeah, it, it brought to my mind as well the goal with which Martin Palermo became the all-time top scorer for Boca Juniors when, of course, Roman Riquelme just rolled it to him and gave him a complete tap-in when everybody expected Riquelme to shoot himself. And then Riquelme ran off celebrating all on his own as if he'd scored the goal. But in that instance, obviously, it was Riquelme was being booed very loudly by the bad rap. And um, was trying to make the point that I'm not having anything to do with the bad rap. Palermo is the bad rap's favourite player. And on this occasion, when Martinez was... Um, the impression that we get at this is that it's very much the whole stadium and not just the Barra who are turning against Martinez for being a bit shit at football rather than for yes. <laughs> not going to play have a kick about on a Saturday afternoon with the right people and of course I won't remember the the, the, the match in which this happened but uh, as Bombonera is uh, of course the, the, the people is, is closer to the, to, the, to the pitch than Rivers mm. Stadium uh, there was a kid that was also murmuring moving Riquelme and after he scored the goal, I think he went and and, and said, "You, you are, uh, what, what, what's your problem, something like that." And and, and the people that were near that guy kind of, of kicked him or or or, or, or uh, I don't know, uh, oh, well. something like that. It was uh, heavy also. Mm -hmm. um. Not where the results away from the Big Five. Rosario Central, who we all picked out last week, is the uh, another one of the, the title challengers. Got a one 0 win over Godoy Cruz. Anything to say about that, anybody? Um, worth checking out the reception on uh, when the players came onto the pitch. The video of that did the rounds on Twitter this week. It was a spectacular reception for the players. Fireworks, flares in the stadium, lots of noise. Oh, if you haven't seen well. it already, look it up. Almost bored with down here in Argentina. Yeah. But, uh, yes, absolutely. That was yeah. Aldo Silva against Olimpo turned out to be a bit more one-sided than anybody was expecting, I think. It was 3-0 uh, to Aldo Silva. The first goal didn't come until 17 minutes in, and it was from a penalty. But um, Olimpo really never looked at the races there. Uh, it was uh, a very strange well, match. once you go ahead against Olimpo, you've won, basically. Essentially, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, and then they threw everything forward and well, scored they, twice mean, at the actually, counter later on. To, to mention someone to watch from Aldo Silva is Santiago Barcelos, who scored the second goal. Yeah. And was very good in pre-season and I think now is being pushed as their sort of central figure in the Alessandri attack and could be one through. Where, where is he from? Do you know? Where is he from? Um, I think he's just come through the youth division. Through the youth division, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Let's Google him and see. We're typing on your keyboard all evening and I haven't made a typo yet, Peter. He is 20 and he was born in Mar del Plata, oh. uh, so I'm assuming that he has indeed, he's not got a Wikipedia page yet, but I'm assuming that he has come through, uh, Aldo Simeon, yes. But he looks very good. He does. Uh, Samianto versus Vélez Sarsfield, on the other hand, did not look very good. Uh, it was, as expected, a terrible match. We're not going to talk about it too much because I'm hoping to get Esteban uh, Beckerman on before much longer to talk about why Vélez is so absolutely bloody awful. Um, Can we uh, have a little pause here when you insert a can of laughter track at how bad Vélez are? Because they are shit, and yes, it is uh, very funny. But it's, it's tragic. Also, it's tragic, but it's funny yeah. as well. Indeed. Let, let's let's leave it at that for now. As I say, Esteban will hopefully be on in the next few weeks, and we, we can talk. <laughs> he listens to things. I'm not going on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm hoping he doesn't listen to it, frankly. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> we we have said that there were a couple of experienced players, and I think we we missed uh, Somoza, who is in the in the staff. 
but didn't play against Sarmiento. Mm. As as one of the old players that can perhaps make Vélez be a bit uh, better than he than they is they yeah. are. Uh, but yes, Cubero, perhaps Asman. Uh, on on the plus side, Fabian Cubero managed not to get sent off. Yeah. Um, with he did get a 92nd minute booking, which is about the most pointless minute of the match to get booked in that you can imagine. Uh, yeah, the day was Cubero, Nasuti, Asman, and Pavone, and seven kids. It yeah. was, it's very difficult. Some of them I've not even heard of as well. I mean, it's, it's they're frighteningly um, inexperienced. But then we, as we say, we'll get onto a broken record and eventually we'll get Esteban in and, and go into the exact reasons that Vélez's board have felt that this is the, the way to go. Uh, Defensivos de Sigurd Union was more entertaining than expected. A 2-2 draw in which Defensa went 2-0 up and then got, uh, before half-time and then got pulled back after half-time to 2-2. Um, and Roman Martinez scored against his old club, Velanus, with a header with about five minutes to go to give them a 1-0 win away to Estudiantes in Arsenal Stadium. Um, because the Rolling Stones were playing in the Estudiantes, well, in the municipal stadium in La Plata, which is where Estudiantes are playing their home games. That uh, is the first 44 minutes of the pod did, covered. Sorry, did Estudiantes play in their own stadium? Because, of course, in the, in, in the Estadio Unico there was the, a show, a music. No, that's playing in Arsenal. No, that's what I just said. Arsenal? Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous, to be honest, that they have to play one of their home matches in Sanandi. It is, but they were doing that quite a bit last year as well. On, on the no, I mean, I, I mean, I understand why they're doing it, but yeah, at the same it's, time, it's like, really, is that, that, is that one of their own matches? It's near, <laughs> near <laughs> Lanus. <laughs> it is near Lanus, yeah. It, it, it's, it's quite literally close to Lanus. Um, and apart from that, I don't think there's anything else really to check out. So should, uh, just before... Um, go on. Right. So it's, I don't want to mention what I can, because they're now bottom of the descent. Are they? Yeah. Wow. Can we talk about the own goal? Oh, of course, because the two promoted sides both got a point, didn't yeah. they? So, yeah. Um, so the, the relegation table, we, we picked out Atletico de Rafaela as the team to uh, most likely to drop if it wasn't one of the established, uh, the, the newly promoted sides. But with the newly promoted sides, both picking points up. As Peter says, Huracan now have 30 points from 31 matches. Tempele have got 31 points from 31 matches. Um, and then there's Patronato, who've got one point from one game. So, early relegation race starting there, are we going to see Huracan involved? Well, my only concern with Huracan is that it's a very short season, unlike last year when they had a whole year to... And if they allow, especially now they scraped into the Libertadores group, well, exactly. which we'll talk about. And I think last, last year they didn't ever win a game after playing a Libertadores match. Yeah. They can't really afford to have that kind mm-hmm. of form in no, a short season. <laughs> 15 games left in the championship. And again, while I'm recommending people check this out, make sure you go see the um, the young goal that Hurricanes but I think it was what, what was his name? Well, that uh, goal? Yeah, Something yeah, like that. Yeah. 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 Brilliant young goal, did everything he could to put it in his own net. He contorted his body into a strange shape and glanced ahead header in off the far post. Magnificent. Our relegation, we have mentioned Beres and they will be off, apart from being crap footballistically, they, they will be complicated if they don't improve because they, after but this transition tournament, they, they will be a, a two, there will be two seasons that will be erased yeah. and with 60 points uh, that they made. So uh, They're yes. simply delaying the inevitable at, the, at their current trajectory. Well, it's like my contention, and this is one reason I want to try and get Esteban on, because I want to ask him about it, because obviously he follows the politics, being a better socio, follows the politics of the club much more closely than, than we do. 
Um, but I think the, the only explanation for what's happened to Venice's squad in the last year is that the, the board have said, look, it's basically impossible for us to get relegated. Um, and I think somebody, after I put this to Esteban the other day on Twitter, somebody else kind of butted in having apparently worked it out mathematically and said that if Venice managed to get six points in this championship, they're safe. Next year, they're going to be completely and totally screwed. Well, um, I remember making this, when we were discussing this maybe two seasons ago, saying, well, Bellas can afford a yeah. really shit season. But you, in, this, in this system, what you can't afford is four or five shit seasons. Yeah. And to that's get, what they're putting together here. It's absolute suicide. To give you some context here, Defensa Justicia, currently on the relegation table, have got uh, 53 points. And Vélez are in mid-table because of 2013-14, which, as Andres says, are the two championships that are going to be taken off at the end of this season. Uh, they had 61 points there, and in the last two seasons, they have managed 54 points. So they're literally going to be in a relegation battle. And, next and season, this, no doubt. after this uh, short tournament, there will be only one relegated, and, uh, at the end and then one, there will yeah. be four. And then we're going to go to, we think, they've not confirmed anything yet, but yeah, probably four down, two up. So, so and, and the thing is, um, the only way you can see that turning around is if all of a sudden, at the end of this season, Bellez to suddenly decide, all right, now we're going to invest exactly, in the future yeah. in the squad. Yeah. And w which would beg the question, well, why have you done bugger all for two years? We basically just sold players over and over again and then just promoted a youth player. Absolutely. Um, for now, I've gone from being very hot when I arrived to being very cold now. <laughs> so we're going to take a break, during which I'm hoping we can turn off the air conditioning and then we're going to refill our glasses. Um, and we will be back in a minute to uh, continue the chat basically and answer some listeners' questions as well. So don't go away. qualification uh, since we last recorded. Huracan, as we mentioned just before the break, have secured their place in the uh, group stages of the Copa Libertadores in the jammiest way possible. Um, after being complete idiots and not managing to win by more than one goal against a pretty poor Caracas side at home last week, um, they very nearly paid for that uh, last night on Tuesday evening away in Caracas by falling 2-0 down largely because they decided to just not bother turning up at all in the first half. They thought, yeah, we'll sit back and just one goal, what could possibly go wrong? Um, <laughs> and then they considered twice. Um, and then they got a goal with about 80 seconds to play or something. With 10 men. Um, yes, by which point they were already down to 10 men um, to go throw all away goals. So well done, Rakan. Their uh, phenomenal run in the Continental Cups... Uh, continues. They wouldn't have qualified for any of these Continental Cups if it hadn't been for that Copa Argentina win um, at the uh, the back end of 2014, of course, because that qualified them for last year's Libertadores. Then they got the Super Cup win over River, which qualified them for the, the Sudamericana, and then they, they're in this year's Libertadores as a result of qualifying for the Sudamericana. Um, sorry, as a result of reaching the Sudamericana final last year. Um, so well done, Oracan. Um, as Peter says, good luck on... Uh, juggling the commitments of, of Libertadores group and relegation battle in Argentina, otherwise they could end up going back down. And tonight we have another um, decisive game, which is the second leg of Racing 
against Puebla. Last week, Puebla looked um, quite poor, but they managed to get a 2-2 draw at home to Racing, which means that Racing have an away goal advantage and home advantage as well in tonight's second leg. And as I say, you'll be able to hear the result of that right after the theme tune at the end. But first of all, we have to turn this on to Peter, because we got asked a question last week. Peter wasn't here. Um, I was going to avoid that. No, you're not going to avoid it, Peter. We're going to continue to remind you of your predictions for last year's Copa Libertadores when you said that Mexican sides uh, wouldn't do anything special. Um, no, I didn't know. For at least the next <laughs> uh, So See, I like the way this has become my... This is my Alan Hansen, you know, with <laughs> But yeah, all right. Um, that's, that's basically what it is. So, but more seriously... Um, because we all saw Puebla last week and, you know, I think we'd all agree that they looked pretty bad. So in, mm. in those terms, at least, we would agree with you. Racing really let them off the hook. Um, we're expecting Racing to qualify at least tonight, right? Oh, yeah. No yeah. doubt. Easily. They probably, mean, won't, they probably won't even get out of third gear and they'll still go through. And then beyond that, Peter, who are the other Mexican sides in the Libertadores and should we expect anything off them? I'm going to stick my neck out again <laughs> and say that I, no, I don't think this year. I just don't think there's a side as good as Tigres this mm-hmm. year. Um, Tigres are probably the best team. I mean, obviously, the, the, the Libertadores is not the main competition for the Mexican yeah, side. Sure, yeah. um, so by default, you don't, you shouldn't really get be getting the best teams in Mexico dropping down to the Libertadores. But last year in Tigres, you did end up really getting the best. Mexican team. Uh-huh. Um, so this year's, and I'm just trying to go through this big list of badges. Um, Pumas. We've got... Ah, Pumas are in it. They're my Mexican side, so that's very nice. Um, and the others are... Uh, Trujillo. No, they're Venezuelan, aren't they? Trujillo. Toluca. Toluca, are they there? Oh, oh yes, so they, yeah, that's, that's who I've got there. And uh, Necaxa, is that? No. No, that's no, it's, just, it's just those three. Oh, it's just those. Okay. So Puebla, who possibly are going out tonight... Um, and, and the other two are in the group stage. So Pumas and Toluca, they're, they're sort of decent enough, decent enough Mexican size. But I, I think it would be a sad state of affairs to be honest for Libertadores if either of those sides were think, be, to do as well as Toluca. I think Mexican me, me, me sides, all of them look good, that they play good football. But then when they have the rich finals or, or, or in important uh, stages, they 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 can't. Uh, play the way South American uh, teams do, mm. which is to be more like uh, not to play only to play good football, but also also to mm. be strong. And, and well, uh, that happened to Tigres last year. That's why uh, I think Guzman, Fidio uh, Arevalo Rios, who is not anymore at Tigres, I think is Atlas now. Um, mm-hmm. Well. Uh, and and uh, Sobis, uh, etc. Uh, made uh, made a team like that with ambitions because South American players want to play to, to win Copa Libertadores and uh, with all, only Mexican players, I think that they can't simply can't do that. Yeah, and I think that's the point that kind of made Tigres quite exceptional last year that they did go all guns, kind of blazing for Libertadores. Like you know, they didn't. It wasn't the game. What they weren't the games they were resting players for. And, yeah. You know. Then they then they actually strengthened quite heavily in the in the window. When was it before the semi finals? Yeah, yeah. And they brought in Gignac and. And then Gignac, like it was rubbish. He had we had like two or three days of being incredibly yeah, yeah, yeah. apologetic after missing that chance against River, which could have sent them through. Mm. It was 
guide about it. Um, this is a question with some Argentine relevance, by the way, the one that we asked Peter a minute ago, because Toluca at least are in, uh, are in Group 6 with Gremio, Liga de Quito and San Lorenzo, so there is some as, as an aside, I am extremely pissed off about that draw. Why? Because I spent last year in Quito and saw fuck all good football, and now San Lorenzo are coming, which would have been perfect. And, and Liga de Quito had Zubeldia last year, who listeners may know as the former coach of Racing. Yeah. Zubeldia is just about, well, I don't know, he annoyed me more than anything because he had the, by far the strongest squad in Ecuador and stopped playing after every time they, they took the lead. Mm-hmm. Inevitably, they, they were given more penalties than everybody else, so they used to just score a penalty and then defend, despite having by far the strongest team. So we were talking about, to draw a parallel, Real Madrid or Barcelona going 1-0 up against Celta Vigo and then sitting on it for right. 70 minutes, which is beyond infuriating. And now they've, they've changed manager to Claudio Borchi, who is obviously <laughs> considerably more attacking and more fun to watch. And uh, yeah, so that draw would have been really nice last year. And but although I quite like Sibeldia, Borges more fun to listen to as well, it has to be said. Um, and in Group 7, it, which is the group that Pumas are in, they've got Tachira, Olympia and Emelec. I mean, there's got to be at least a chance. That no, that, I was going to say, like, Pumas, I think Toluca's group's looking difficult. Yeah. Well, what, from an Argentine perspective, you're thinking probably if Pumas... If, San Lorenzo fans are complaining about this group being the group of death, but in fairness, San Lorenzo fans have complained for the last three years about being in the group well, of death, and I mean, two years ago they won the thing. So. I think also the group of death thing, in, the, in this case, okay, Gremio, the Brazilian, a Brazilian team is always going to be considered very and a very, one. very, very long and way then, through yeah, as well, And then two quite and nice high altitudes yeah. for Quito, which is their first match. But if Toluca to get through there, I think it would perhaps have to be at the expense of. Samarans and so I, I think I'm not expecting too much from Toluca. Pumas could get through from that group. The other Copa Libertadores news that we have to mention is the. Um, d- depending on, on whether certain reports uh, are proved to be true or not um, in the next sort of 12 hours or so, uh, th- this may or may not be an appropriate word to use, but I'm going to use it very guardedly. The, the tragicomic story. Um, of Huracan's attempt to get to Caracas Airport uh, to get home from from their uh, second leg last night. Because today, that's Wednesday afternoon, the coach, um, Andres was saying on the way down here that the brakes failed on the coach and the driver was forced to sort of steer off the motorway and and go up a a slip road, which sort of just seemed to lead up the side of a hill and then there was no, nothing at the end of it. There was just sort of a sheer. But drop. I think it's one of those roads that they do for that reason. In case the brakes fail, so it's uphill, so you're meant to just go off onto that, and eventually you're going to run out of momentum. And this resulted in the uh, coach that was carrying the the, the coach being the, the the bus rather than the the uh, the first team coach, as it were, who, who takes training, uh, who was carrying the San Lorenzo team, um, flipping over for some reason. reason. I mean, God knows how fast it must well, have been going. Think. Um, and the reason that I say that this might turn into a tragic comedy, and I'm struggling not to laugh here, but, um, it, it, is that uh, Patricio Toranzo, who is one of San Lorenzo's most important players, um, we're looking right now, we, we have the television on mute, and um, fortunately they, they're captioning at least part of what his agent is, is saying uh, on the telephone whilst we speak, and uh, he's insisting that Toranzo's career is not over because there are some rumours which are stating... Um, that Patricio Taranto is going to have to have four uh, I wanted to say fingers then because the Argentine word uh, is dedos whether they're on the finger the, the, the hand or the foot um, four fingers of the feet which is the Spanish term for toes um, amputated 
Um, part of the reason that I was struggling not to laugh was in fact the fact that Spaniards and Spanish speakers really do call toes fingers of the feet, which is a woefully inadequate term. But there we go. Anyway, um, he's not going to have his toes chopped off, is he? Is he? I don't know, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems odd that some official person has said, yes, he is, and they say, oh, it's not the big toe, the four other toes on his left foot are going to need to be partially amputated. Mm. It's not going to be the end of his career, even if that happens. And now we're seeing reports saying... Uh, yes, I, I, I even, even heard, uh, which now would be a rumour, of course, uh, that uh, four of his toes or, or fingers uh, would, would be uh, shorter than the other one. Mm. So that now we have to say it, this won't happen, apparently, because... His agent certainly appears to be being very vocal that it's, it's definitely not happening. But of course, his agent could be fishing around saying, you know, if, if any club wants to take a gamble on signing Patricio Taranso for millions and millions of dollars um, and get him sold as quickly as possible before he has his toes chopped off. <laughs> Who knows? Um, so you can add this in at the end when you do the results of the football. When you do the results of the other matches, I can also tell you what Yes, <laughs> how many toes Patricio Taranso still has. Uh, but on a more serious note, if Patricio Taranto or any of his family or friends or other Akan teammates are listening to this, we do sincerely hope that uh, his career is not over, if only because he's one of the few players that's actually worth watching in Orakan's team at the moment. Um, and now we shall move, without any uh, segueing at all, into listeners' questions. The first one is from Aidan, who asks, is there any news on Maxi Rolon to San Lorenzo? I'm going to look over to Peter, because he's the one who pays most attention to this kind of thing. He was on that list, wasn't he, of the possible yeah, transfers um, to close before... Tomorrow, is it, or Friday? Thursday night, I think. So tomorrow night, yeah. super. Um, I haven't heard anything since seeing his name on that list, so... So, no, there's no news on that. Um, that guy says, is there any way to get the head honchos at the AFA uh, to not smoke peyote when restructuring the league? <laughs> it's a slightly silly... Well, it's a very silly... Um, format for this championship but the general restructure in the medium term is a necessary one I think so uh, as I sort of said last week I'm, I'm going to defend the AFA to an extent over this There was, it, it's a complete dog's dinner but it's something that needed to be done in the short term sort of rip the plaster off and, and start again I, um, I, I, I think that this uh, format of two groups of 15 players is important to notice that the 30-team tournament was hilarious or was silly, so now they have to convert this uh, only table of 30 teams into two separate mm. tables of 15. But there was also no way that they were going to be able to get a 30-team format into a four-month period, which is what this the current championship's about. Um, and so the transition as well in itself is, is necessary because, of course, they want to line things up better with the European transfer windows as well. Um, I have a question about the Chinese transfer window and its impact on the Argentine. Somebody else has also asked that. Ah, okay, well, wait so we'll get to that in a second when, yeah. when an actual listener asks it, Rob. So <laughs> I'm a listener. Behave. Yeah, I'm you are, but I'm not on it. But this week you're also a panelist, so <laughs> uh, Roberto Rojas says, despite the draw for Boca and win for River against Quilmes, which of the two has got more depth and is most capable of winning the league? It, this league is a sprint anyway, so... The other thing is that it's not really a league, so it comes yeah, to the final. Yeah, it's going to have a grand final. When it's you said a bit... Yeah. yeah. When you it ask the Vindicani Afghan favourites for the league, it's like, well, 
it depends it on... It doesn't matter, right? First of all, yeah. if, they, if they both reach the final and end up playing each other for the league, then it, it's going to depend on who's fit, who's yeah. suspended for the final and so on. Um, so it's difficult to say. Andres, any thoughts? Uh, I think River, if, if uh, Gerardo continues with his uh, mentality of giving priority to the, to the continental tournaments rather than the local ones, yeah. uh, I think they will still be in favor of, of, of uh, saving the, the main or, or the uh, theoretically starting lineup or main starting lineup, lineup to, to the Copa Libertadores and leaving the tournament to see what happens, of course. That yeah. will, uh, last time it, 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 it worked because River finally won the, the Copa Libertadores and uh, they were they were closer, but finally Racing uh, became champions. But uh, and Boca is uh, today today is, today is a big question mark. Perhaps in in two weeks time three we we can say anything different. Yeah, Boca might play themselves into form at some point, and River are going to win every match five one. Yeah. So to make a more general depends. point, um, I first arrived in Argentina two and a half years ago. And at that moment, River had just come back up from the B and were terrible. And uh, Racing had that season where they had four managers in one season and only won two games out of 19, and they were terrible. And Independiente were in the B, and they were terrible. And uh, Boca had that season with Bianchi and Riquelme, where everything went wrong, and the wheels fell off, and Bianchi got sacked, and they were terrible. Mm. And San Lorenzo won kind of by default with an extremely low points total. Um, so just as someone who's come back, these five teams, the big five, are much stronger now. Yeah. And it actually feels like I'm going to see a proper Argentine season this time, where there are actually five big teams who are actually good, that you actually want to go to pay and watch. Well, plus you've got Central. Yeah. Uh, Belgrano, who perhaps not in the best match, but uh, gave Independiente a good game. Talking about um, teams that can win it. Yeah. There are lots of candidates, whereas the last time I was here, it was like, who wants to not lose? Remember yeah. when Newell's uh, went into that big lead and then completely threw it away. I think we were on hand of pods sort of um, week, week 14 of the 19th season and it was like, well, Newell's have won it and then they didn't. So this time it's going to be a And though, though we, the uh, uh, big clubs are not rich, yeah. they are, all, are of course richer than, mm -hmm. than, the, than the other ones um, until they, I, I think that the small clubs want a, 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 a different uh, money distribution but Still, they haven't achieved that, and the Colmebol is good or not. They are giving more or interesting prices to the to the teams that are participating in it. So that will mean, of course, more money for the big teams because they are the ones that are participating in the Copa Libertadores, and mm. uh, that will make a bigger difference to comparing to the Belgrano, Newell, Central, uh, Vélez, uh, which are important teams, but they are not considered. Well, the Central are in the Copa Libertadores, of course, so yes. possibly being in it this season, if, if it's going to make a difference, could be crucial for them. Um, Ursus Actos says, can we have an Oracan crash update, please, which we have given, of course, already. Uh, but he also asks, and this is a very interesting question, which I'm going to direct towards Andres, although before asking it, I'm going to clarify that my girlfriend, who is uh, a linguist, she's an, an English teacher and a, a professional translator, um, was unable to answer this question, she wasn't sure why. But he also says, why are large intercity coaches called micros in Argentine Spanish? The micros, the, the buses? Because it comes from microbus, which is supposed to be one of the small, like a minibus. And this huracan thing was a great big 
yeah. long distance one, and they still call it a micro. Yeah, when you go for the yeah. materials when you're else, what's, what's, what's the, the micro coach, about? Yeah, yeah. Are, 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 are more, yes, costumbres, we, say, we are used to say, call them micros and not to see what really is yeah. done, than to, yes, it was a micro, because, uh, yes, it was a, a big, not a micro. Translating it uh, uh, wrongly. But what's wrong with just calling it a bus? Yeah, it's, uh, you, it, it's going well, completely against the original Greek. Well, Mexico, Mexican <laughs> people say camion to the bus, so it's mm. which will be mean will mean truck. In yeah, here it means truck. You're quite right. Yeah. Uh, yes, there are idiomatic expressions that are, are you can't explain really. Um, I, I I even never wonder why we say micro to a big a big bus, which means mini or. Yeah. It's the southern hemisphere, so they do things the other way around down there. Another Slowly, Argentinian thing that we can't explain. <laughs> Indeed. Um, on that note, those are all of the questions, which means that it's now time to go into the mystical section of Handapod. Yeah. <laughs> Where was the Chinese transfer window one? Oh, that's a good point. We did get asked one of those, didn't we? It's not popped up here. Can you, can you remember who asked it? I have no idea. Some, I, I never somebody, saw it. I just had a, a question about it myself. Somebody did ask about whether the, uh, the, the business... Oh, it might have been yesterday that they sent it in. But whether the business in China um, was affecting the Argentine League at all. And... Yeah, it's for some reason not showing up in my mentions. But uh, is the business in China affecting the Argentine League? Oh, hang on, here it is. Chris Hartley asked it. Uh, of seven hours ago, so not yesterday at all. I just haven't scrolled down far enough. He said, has the wealth of the Chinese Super League started to have an effect on the Argentine League like it has on Brazilian leagues, i.e. key players going there instead of Europe? No. no. Not yet. Presumably yeah. it will. But. I heard Calderuccio nearly went to China, right? I don't know if that was correct. Okay. We're, going, we're, we're going back a while now, maybe a month or so. He was very close from what I read. Um, my question related to whether Argentine players can leave when the Chinese window closes. Because the Chinese window, as I've led to believe, actually ends in March. Well, if they get sold now, then yeah, of course they can. Yeah, yeah I mean, there are players in the English Premier League, for example, or the European windows, who are leaving, but their clubs can't replace them. Because the the European window is closed. For example, uh, I read that Levetsi is close to leaving PSG and will sign for a Chinese club soon. But PSG, obviously, they, they don't necessarily need to replace him because he's not really one of their starters. But or it, it, very good at all. Yeah, well, there's that too. But it, for, a, for an Argentine club, that could be potentially devastating to lose one of their players mm. outside of a window. I just didn't ask uh, The way that it's worked in the past is that uh, if a player gets a long-term injury or if they're sold, I think at times the AFA will allow it, that they have then a month to look for a replacement even outside the window. That's sort of like right, a special dispensation thing. Okay. That's one reason. I th- if I remember right, uh, San Lorenzo signed Mario Yepes on a similar yeah, deal. Was, yeah, that's that's came outside the window yeah. because of somebody else being injured. Um, but no, so far at least it hasn't had an effect. Speaking, speaking of Mario Yepes, he's retired. Yeah. I can't believe it. He's about 47. Yeah, I know. I thought he was going on forever. <laughs> he's, he's actually yeah. retired. It's one of those, uh, as we were mentioning earlier, if you were going to do something, why didn't you just do it ages ago? Well, true. Uh, having scrolled down far enough to find Chris's question, I now find that I also missed a couple from Darren Paul, who asks, uh, Atletico took a man for the championship? Probably not, Darren, though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I know, because he's a wrestling supporter, and, and he 
thinks that if they beat uh, Racing, they can be champions. Okay. He also says, how is Salah going to balance his midfield? And has Blanco, who of course is the Racing president, been pressuring Salah to play Rodrigo de Paul? Mm. What do we think of this? No, but uh, he, he came alone, or he or did Racing pay He's anything? on loan, yeah. yeah. Which is quite strange, well, it's very strange in a number of ways, but one of the ones that's most strange is he hasn't been left out by Valencia much lately. He has been playing a lot of games mm. under Gary Neville, and it seems quite strange for a team like Valencia to have this prospect who they are using. He's not like he's sitting around like Zuccolini uh, in Manchester City, not being played. So he was part of the matchday squad and he was getting minutes and then suddenly he's back here. And, and what makes it really confusing is that Valencia is such a well-run club and that yeah. Gary Neville's really the only problem with them. So you would think <laughs> that somebody would have told him it was a bad idea to let them go. Uh, I'm being very, very, very sarcastic <laughs> in case anybody is not I don't think Blanco, Valencia. But going back to the question, I don't think Blanco would need to say you need like force. No, I suspect that... I think they've got him for six months. Probably realise they may have got him. a pretty decent coup. And then it's quite amazing. Particularly given the amount of rotation they have to... Yeah. yeah. If he's I'm not going to for tonight's Libertadores game, then why not use him in the... I think it's clear that uh, uh, the, this Blanco decision of, of bringing back uh, the ball has to do more with Valencia decision of, of giving them him alone than a real need. Uh, mm. I, I think that, for example, Romero, the way he's played... Perhaps he's not uh, he's not given the opportunities I think he he should, but uh, with Romero at a good level, it won't be easy for the ball to be in the in the team regularly. Yeah, and I think this is the point that Darren, because I'm at, like during the harassing game, he was tweeting. Um, I think this is the point he's trying to make: is is it possible to play the two of them with yeah. like you know Ro- yeah. Romero is looking very good at the moment. And you don't want to push him out wide or restrict his role in the side to accommodate sure. a new signing. So um, I guess that's the, the challenge for um, I Salah. Think if you were a smart manager, I don't know where the server is, you would have two 11s prepared, one to play the cup games, one to play the league games, and you would tell them both are as important as the other. Yeah. Because they've already got maybe four strikers that you could say have a shot at being first choice. They're going to have to do a lot of rotation anyway. You might as well prepare two different attacks that are as strong as each other and play them in alternating matches. And on that note, Darren, as, as he says, makes more of a comment as well. He says, Racing need width, and Bo is not a lone striker. He works best in tandem with somebody else. Would you agree? Uh, that kind of feeds into what we said last week about the reception that some Racing fans had given Diego Milito over the summer, saying that essentially Milito was clearly completely finished and he's never going to kick a ball again and blah blah when you know maybe uh, being about 76 he's simply trying to play himself into a bit of a rhythm after taking a month off over the summer in, in my opinion um, I would agree by and large that, that, that Bull is going to work better alongside somebody like Milito who can find those gaps you know I'm no doubt if Teddy Sheringham we're going to be returning to, to anyway, play that's a similar kind of thing to what Milito's doing at Racing if it's not Milito it would be Lisandro Lopez I think or not mm. yeah I mean, there's no reason he can't and, 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 and well, yeah. if you talk about uh, finished players uh, well Lisandro Lopez is not finished because he has just arrived but uh, he's not a kid mm. anyway. yeah. yeah he's got to be 34 at least so he looks about 50 I was amazed as I said earlier yes um, okay, that is it, and now we really are going to have the mystical section, which this week is brought to you by regular listener Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me. Um, as I said last week, 
Uh, no, we'll do that bit after the theme tune, actually. So here is uh, Mystic Liam's theme tune. Okay, as I said last week, um, Mystic Sam is, is sort of attempting at least to retire this season and hopefully enough of you will be interested in this um, to uh, have a different person trying to predict each week. I have considered the idea of possibly putting up a prize at the end of the championship for the person who gets the best score, um, but I'm not going to officially announce that yet. So for the moment, I'd like to make very clear that Liam is just playing for, for fun. Um, you, the score that I laid down last week, uh, I think I did a quick counter while everybody else was talking at one point earlier. I think I got 5 out of 15 last week. So let's see, first of all, whether Liam uh, can do any better than I did. <laughs> no, I, I, suspect, I suspect that if I do put a prize up that I won't be winning it, but you never know. It's a difficult need to predict, so I might get lucky. Um, Liam is going for the following this coming weekend. Arsenal de Sarandí against Banfield will be a Banfield win. Union will draw at home to Tempele. Quilmes will draw at home to Colón. Godoy Cruz are going to lose at home to Independiente. Uh, Tigre are going to get a home win over Huracán. Atletico de Rafaela versus Estudiantes will finish all square. Aldo Civi are going to beat Argentinos. Aldo Civi have got a second consecutive home match to start the season with, which is interesting. Uh, San Lorenzo will get a home win over San Miento. Racing will get a home win over San Martín. Olimpo to get an away win over Vélez Sarsfield. Good grief, that's a match to avoid, isn't it? Bloody <laughs> hell. Um, Rosario Central against Newell's Old Boys, the big Clásico this weekend. Uh, that's one thing that we didn't mention before, in fact, about the, the structure of the championship, is that each weekend there's going to be one intergroup um, match, which most weeks is going to be a Clásico, and that's this weekend's coming one. Uh, Central to, to, to beat Newell's in the Gigante de, de Arroyito. If it finishes. If it finishes, <laughs> Uh, Lanús to get a home win over Defensa Justicia, Gimnasia and Patronato to draw in La Plata, Boca Juniors to win against Atletico Tucumán, and River Plate to scramble an away point against Belgrano. That is what Liam's going for. So we shall see next week how we do. Uh, next week I'm not quite sure what day we're going to be recording, um, because there's going to be a midweek match on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then on... I think Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday is going to be round four. So I was thinking perhaps, I've not checked with you gents yet, but maybe uh, Monday, if anybody's available, we might have a recording on Monday night. Um, so if anybody wants to predict round three or round four or both, then please, dear listeners, do send in your predictions for one or both of those rounds and I'll read them out. Ideally, uh, somebody who's not Liam, as he's had a go already, and, and another regular listener should get a go. And then as I say, hopefully we can set up some kind of competition a bit later on. Um, in the season if people actually show an interest but please do somebody um, do it because otherwise I'm going to be sitting here feeling like I don't have any friends and nobody actually ever listened to this section of the podcast you all just finished listening early if and that would be very you, hurtful if not your, your fake brother will have to uh, <laughs> to, to be the, what, the one who my, my brother's a real per- oh you mean Liam of course <laughs> Uh, I thought you were talking about my, my actual brother, who was once on hand upon himself. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, Liam, in fact, sent us a tweet saying that he would be happy to do it each week if necessary. But uh, ideally, folks, let's try and open this up, which is why I was saying we might offer a prize if uh, if, if enough people show an interest. Um, maybe you need to give some clues as 
hints as to what the prize could be. Well, it's going to be football related, isn't it? Not, let's not go extravagant, but depending. Pounds, uh, definitely <laughs> not a thousand pounds. Should we go to the uh, Peter and steal the World Cup? Peter will be very happy to send you a thousand pounds from his personal bank account if you manage <laughs> the highest score oh, yeah. of, yeah. of season of ticket. Any uh, season? Sorry, season ticket. Any club of your choosing? I didn't say that, Peter. You said that. <laughs> Once again, Peter is going to be offering prizes uh, for the highest score. If not, then possibly we might offer a much smaller prize for the highest score, but I can't stress enough, much smaller. Um, thank you very much for listening, everybody, again. Uh, as ever, to Handapod, please share us with your friends and, and family and everything. We are trying to look for new sponsorship at the moment, so uh, any um, increase in listener numbers would be hugely appreciated. And for now, we'll see you again, or rather you'll hear from us again, Possibly next Tuesday, um, and if not, then probably next week, because it doesn't make a lot of sense to record in the middle of a round of league games. Um, so it might possibly have next week off, but probably will record on Monday. For the moment, uh, it's a very hearty thank you and goodbye from Rob. Yeah, thanks very much for having me back. See you later. It's been a pleasure to have you back. Uh, from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. From Peter. Thanks. Goodbye. And from me, goodbye. We're back to tell you the results this evening. First of all, Racing got a 1-0 win over Puebla in Avellaneda, which means that they're into the Copa Libertadores group stage. And in the Supercopa Argentina, San Lorenzo beat Boca Juniors 4-0, uh, which is a slightly surprising result. It's uh, 2 o'clock in, on uh, Thursday morning as I record this, and as of yet, I think uh, Arena is still in a job. But we'll see what happens by the time we release this podcast, so stay tuned.